Everybody ready for some word here today? Well, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and get it out. Get ready to go. If you're new with us today and new to church and don't know the Bible much at all, uh, you can still get good things from him if you'll open up your heart to listen. And you probably have a phone. Do you know there are Bibles on the, that phone? <laughs> Amen. Find one and uh, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I want to continue what I started last week called the path to promotion. The Lord has a higher place for you. He wants to take you up and not down. Isn't that good? 1 Peter chapter 5. Notice with me in verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. How many brought your humility clothes today? How many dressed in, dressed in pride? <laughs> for, here's the reason, for God resists the proud. This is the reason why we want to be uh, clothed in humility because we don't want to get resisted. God resists the proud, but what does he do? Gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. You need grace in your life? I do. Grace is what makes everything work. The humble get more grace. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I shared previously with you this, this basic truth that's stated here that God wants to exalt us. He wants to exalt you. That almost sounds backwards a little bit. At first glance, you think, I don't want to be exalted. Well, the Lord wants you to be exalted. But the method by which you obtain that higher place must be the right one, okay? If we are promoting ourselves, we're trying to exalt our own interests, then no, that's a good recipe for disaster. It's a good way to get taken down. But if we humble ourselves and God lifts us, he promotes us, he puts us in a higher place, well, then it's, that place is sustainable. It won't go to your head. <laughs> that place is uh, just like he can put you there, he can keep you there, as long as you stay with that same attitude of humility that got you there in the first place. But God does want to promote us, and that's the whole reason he is instructing us here on how to receive that promotion. You can have one. You want one? <laughs> you can have one. He tells you how to get it, all right? Too many times we ignore the recipe and just want the pie. <laughs> no, you have to have the right ingredients, and in God's kingdom, the way to go higher is to go lower. The way to be promoted and be exalted is humility. It's one of the greatest things that we could pursue in life is this characteristic of humility. I, I told you before, I, I believe about, about Saul, King Saul, whom God promoted initially. He had a good heart. God worked on him, and he promoted him to be king of Israel. But then one day, uh, Samuel told him this, for Samuel 15, 
when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? When he was what in his own eyes? Little. <laughs> yeah, not talking about how others viewed him. That was irrelevant. But when you view yourself, he said, Saul, when you saw yourself as something small, something little, God was able to promote you and do great things in your life. But the day you got big in your own eyes, you thought you were all that. You were hot stuff. You thought the world revolved around you. Now, sorry, we're going to replace you. I found this boy working with sheep. I found this young shepherd boy who, who's going to be taking your place, hot stuff. <laughs> right? Because Saul began, because of his pride, he began to disobey the, the direction and commandments of the Lord. And in the middle of his disobedience, he would justify himself all day long. This is why I did this. I did do what's right. You can read the story. But I, he would justify his own actions and just, uh, you know, try to get out of it bearing any responsibility for doing the wrong thing. And you can kind of see how pride behaves. When someone gets a proud heart, it's everybody else's fault. <laughs> it's you, 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 and you, and I did everything right, you know, and, and they get very skilled at explaining why they did it right and why what they did, even if it appears to, wrong, how, appears to be wrong, how it was truly right. <laughs> and, and, and they are very good at explaining their own motives, and, you know. We'll talk about other people's behavior, but when it comes to themselves, well, I meant, I meant well. And it's all about self-justification because they do not want to look bad to anyone. They do, they're, they're very, very much concerned about how others perceive them, and so they, be, they become very good at self-exaltation. But this issue of pride, it's so dangerous, it'll actually keep you out of heaven, okay? People miss eternity with God because of pride. Well, we'll say, well, why is that? Well, because basically it's the opposite of Christianity. Pride is the self-declaration of your own ways, rather than the submission of your will to God's ways. Be being a believer is all about turning, changing, submitting, your will, your, I need your help. Pride is about, I don't need anybody's help, I'm fine. And if you, and if, and if you say there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with you for saying that, <laughs> right? That, that, it's just the opposite attitude of, of, of what it means to be a believer. It's it's sad, but it's kind of one of the hallmarks of our time in our culture. It seems people are more than ever uh, proclaiming themselves. Me, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is, um, this is, these are my rights. This is my so-called truth. And it's all about themselves. It's all about proclaiming their own their, their own ways. It's about, this is my identity, and, and I demand you accept me the way I proclaim myself or put myself. No, being a believer is not about self-promotion. Being a child of God is about exalting him and saying, I seek to glorify the Lord with my life. If I can do anything that brings him praise, then I've succeeded. If I can do anything to take the attention off of me and bring it to the Lord, then I've succeeded in, in, in my life. And that is the heart we should pursue. It's the heart of humility. Now, now, now one of the great dangers in 
in life is to be overly conscious, overly concerned about what other people think. You ever notice that? Maybe you've all, maybe you've felt, found, found yourself falling in that trap at different stages of life where you behaved certain ways, not because you wanted to, not because you thought it was the best decision, but because of uh, pressure, but because of the opinions of other individuals. And, and for someone to live that way really is a great bondage, to constantly be thinking about how others view us. What it often does is it will drive phony behavior. We start to be a put on. And we're not being true, we're not being genuine, we're not being ourselves, we're putting on for appearance sake. Because if I look a certain way, this group will accept me. And if I act or say certain things, these people will approve of of, of who I am. And then it goes to self-promotion again. And it's all about what we portray. I portray myself a certain way, so we work hard and think about it night and day. I want to look a certain way. I want to be perceived by others a certain way. When if we see things in reality and we live for the glory of God, we stop caring about that. I don't mean we want to be a mess. and I mean, we always want to be our best self. But the motive behind it can really take it from being glory to God or bondage to us, how other people perceive us. I want you to look with me at at an example of this. If you would turn to John chapter 12, it's the gospel of John, not the epistle or letter, but the gospel of John chapter 12. And over here, I want you to notice verses 42 and 3. It reads this way, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, so the rulers in Israel, uh, many believed in him. Who's him? Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I want you to consider the seriousness of what we're reading here and what, what just happened. These people believed in Jesus. They believed in who he, that he was who he said he was. He was the Messiah. He was, uh, he was the Savior. Uh, but but what, did, what did they do? They wouldn't tell anyone. They wouldn't admit it. They believed, but they wouldn't confess him before others. Is is that a problem? Is it wrong? Is it a problem for someone to believe in the Lord, but not confess him? Yeah, that's a really big problem. It really is. And someone says, I know, but I really believe in my heart. I mean, I have inward conviction. I'm, in fact, I'm committed to the Lord in my heart. And God looks at the heart. Well, uh, he does look at the heart, but that's not everything the Bible teaches us, <laughs> that God just looks at the heart so I can live one way and believe something different. No, this is a, this is a real problem. To be inwardly committed, but outwardly deny the Lord, that doesn't fly. That is, that is not how, how, how being a believer works. Let me ask you this question. You think 
Think there might be people in hell today who believed in Jesus? If we look at this verse, yes. If they believed in him, but because of what might happen or what someone else would say, the pressures, the opinions of man, they refused to confess him. They denied him. Remember, Peter denied the Lord at one point, but he got fixed. He came back. I mean, denying the Lord is a big deal. And someone can come back from that major problem. But if someone believes in their heart but denies him outwardly, no, that does not work. You, you, one of the scriptures you hear me use uh, with somewhat frequency in, in our, our altar calls is, is where Jesus said in, in Matthew 10, 32 and 3, where he said, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. So strong words. He said, you confess me, I say your name. You deny me, I say, I don't know who they are. I don't know that person. So with the Lord, it's not just about inward heart, inward belief. It is also about outward expression. And those who are overly concerned about what people think In this case, because of the Pharisees, because they might get the boot from the synagogue, they failed to confess that Jesus was who he said he was. Let me ask you this, just as a basic uh, rule or principle, does it cost a person to be a Christian? Is there, say, well, no, Jesus paid the price. Yes, he did for our salvation and our sins. His blood was shed. You can't add anything to that. But I'm talking about living your life on earth, not cost for for us being saved. Living your life for Christ, being a disciple, is there any cost to it? Is it ever gonna cost? It would have cost these guys potential standing in their community, potential standing in the synagogue to confess that Jesus was who he says. There is a cost. If you want to be a, a, a real Christian, not a fake, phony believer that we have some of today, you might want to heed the advice of the Lord in another place where he said to count the cost. I mean, remember, he used the illustration, if you're going to put up a building, you're going to first figure out how much it costs, lest you get stuck right in the middle of it and you can't finish it. You count the cost. He said, if you're going to follow me, you better know what this is going to cost you. Yeah, Not the most popular message, but... There it is, I put it out there anyway. <laughs> yeah, we should know. If I'm gonna be the real, genuine article and humbly be, serve God, allowing him to exalt me, some people might not like it. Some people may want to distance themselves from us. In some parts of the world, they may threaten you physically, right? Even in Canada, they put pastors in jail for Having, ser- having service when there's a virus going around. In jail, though. That's just in Canada. I don't want to get off on that. Thank God for the Canadians. <laughs> I remember I was, uh, I, went to a, I went to a high school reunion several years ago, and uh, in speaking with one of my old classmates and friends, uh, he, he, I don't remember how the subject came up, 
uh, everyone there knows I'm a pastor now, but maybe that triggered something. But he and I were just talking, and and he grew up in uh, in the Mormon religion, super strong, ultra strict. And he was just telling me about his experience. He said, "Yeah, when we grew up, he said." Uh, we couldn't play as kids with other kids in the neighborhood that weren't a part of our group. And I, di- I didn't realize that, like, that, they did, that it was that way. He said that's how strict it was, and, and, and he's, he was basically having problems with it now as an adult. And he lives in Utah now, which you might think, how does that <laughs> make you come to that conclusion? Uh, but anyway, he's, he lives in Utah, and, and he... Uh, he basically, he went on to tell me, I don't believe it anymore. I don't believe in the Mormon theology and, and, and so forth. And I said, oh, okay. I, I said, do you still go? He said, oh, yeah. He still goes to the services and does all the things. Uh, I'm like, why? And he said, well, it's, it's for my kids. He said, if we are not a part of that, they will miss out on opportunities at school. And I said, let me make sure I'm understanding you correct. So if you're not in your area where you live involved in the Mormon religion, then your kids, like with sports and different things, they would be at a disadvantage in in school? He said, oh, totally. I thought, oh, okay, well. In other words, he's basically saying, I believe one thing, but because of social pressure, I'm doing something different, okay? In our situation, uh, that's looking at it from a different angle, but for us, we sometimes have to deal with the very same thing of not living to please others, even if it cost us, not altering our behavior based on someone else's disapproval. The question goes to this, does the Lord approve with how I'm living? Is he happy with how the decisions I, I, I'm making? Sometimes in, in modern days, modern days with church world and leaders, and you know, we, we speak to other pastors and different things, but uh, there's questions at times as to what type of things uh, churches should allow to happen in their services on Sundays. You know, in other words, some will say, well, you don't want to be too charismatic or Pentecostal or have too much of the gifts of the Spirit because what about your visitors? What are they gonna think? And uh, my initial reaction to that is, who cares? <laughs> now, that, that, sounds, that sounds uncaring or wrong. Those of you who are visiting today, We love God more than you. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I want you to be pleased. I want you to experience God. We want to show you his love. We want, to, we want your life to go higher and be blessed. However, here, here's, here's my point. Not, not that we don't care about visitors. We just care about God more. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I, I want to present things in a proper way. I really do. In a, in a digestible way. But I'm not just seeking the approval of people. In our, I want to know, is the, Lord, is the Lord pleased with what we're doing? Because if you like us and the Lord is not happy, I failed. It's true. Now, in reality, I think if something's really God, 
even if someone has never seen it before or it's different or it's new, I believe the anointing will touch anyone. And, uh, uh, but, but people become overly concerned. Even, that's why some churches, they back away. I, I mean, it's, they back away from the power of God. I, I, I've, I've read uh, you know, statements of faith, different groups, and they say, yeah, we believe in the gifts of the, you know, baptism in the spirit and those, and those kind of things, but we don't believe in practicing them in public or in small groups or anything. It has to be alone. I think that's not the way to deal with this. You really think the Lord is pleased with that? Because you're going to have a whole generation that doesn't know anything about the move of the Spirit. Everyone's going to come there, and sir, you got this great relationship with God at home by yourself, but you're teaching people that the power of God is not even real. I didn't plan on saying all this, so let, let me get back to my, or maybe this is my message. I don't know. I'm just saying, our heart as a church, I think all of our hearts as individuals should be, first and foremost, what's the Lord pleased with? What does he want us to do? If he is pleased with it, then his blessing's gonna pee upon it. Watch, his grace will be there and promotion will be there. But if I can get everyone in the world to like me and yet God's grace is distant, it's only a matter of time till I lose my position anyway. Hallelujah. Will he be glorified with our lives? Well, not if, we're, not if our primary focus is to pursue man's approval. Jesus said this in John 5, 44. He said, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? How can you even be a believer? How can you believe? It's, that's all we want is I want others to honor me. I want others to lift me up. I want others to say good things about No, I want the Lord to say good things about me. I want the Lord to look down and say, uh, not only are we received or accepted in Christ, I want the Lord to look down at our church and say, that's one of my churches right there. That's, that's part of my body right there. That's, that, that's what we need to, that, that's the way I want it done. I don't, I'm not implying that we're doing it perfect. I'm saying we want to. I'm saying that if we know it's the Lord's design and will, we're changing. Pride embraces the old ways and this is my way and this is the way it's always done and I won't change. Pride is the unchangeable. But humility is, it's flexible. We'll alter. We'll say, ha, I've been doing it wrong for 50 years <laughs> or whatever or two months. I've made the wrong decision there. If, you, if it really was wrong, you admit it and then you move forward. I was thinking about what ways that we might alter our behavior due to the presence of pressure. We as individuals might alter our behavior because of what others you know, portray or what they think or what they say they might do. And uh, you know, it, it might be how we worship when we come together. If we're overly mindful of the opinion or approval of others, we might alter our behavior in how we express worship to God. Is it really glorifying him? If we're singing and conscious of everyone around us. It might affect the jokes we laugh, at which we laugh. <laughs> Is the Lord laughing? Or are we laughing because we're in that environment and you know, we're concerned about what other people are thinking? It might affect what we drink at a social gathering. It might affect how we practice our walk with God in public. It might affect... Uh, getting help for something we need help with. 
Sometimes people never get help because they're putting on a front. And they're afraid of someone else viewing them as someone with problems. They don't want, to be, they don't want others to think they're weak or to think they've failed or to think they struggle. And so year after year after year, their pride holds them in the same bondage. See, it's the enemy working. It's the enemy working to hold people back. What does the Lord say? Humble yourself. What, what, what does humility look like? Sometimes it looks like, like I've got a problem and I'm gonna, I'm gonna reveal it to someone. You don't have to necessarily reveal it to everybody, but I'm gonna tell someone I'm struggling, I'm weak, I've failed, I'm doing this. What happens then? Now the Lord's grace comes in to lift you up. Or you can stay in that lowly place, maintain your pride, maintain your position and others' view of you, and have a behind-the-scenes life where you're devastated, where you feel guilty, where you feel like answering every altar call we give. But you know you can't do that either because someone will know. Hallelujah. But when we're real, we're seeking to glorify God, we're just not altering a bunch of stuff because of what others, others think. You know, if it's for their benefit in some way, I don't mean we're just demanding our own ways either. But, you know, it's like the person who goes to the restaurant and, you know, normally a believer would give thanks for their food, right? Thank you, Lord. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, they won't if they're around others who don't do that. Well, you can do it anyway, like, like, like Daniel did. Uh, Daniel in the Old Testament, when Nebuchadnezzar made his decrees and they couldn't do that anymore, Daniel had a practice of going to his window three times a day and, and praying to the Lord. And, and when they made the decree, what did he do? He went and continued on with what he normally did. He said, nope, sorry, you just run into something that's, that's, a, that's my relationship with God and he's first that I'm praying anyway even if I get in trouble. Now, what he didn't do is pray extra loud. I'm gonna go to the window and, oh God, you know, I'm gonna let everybody know, bless God, I'm not afraid to pray. You're still thinking about other people when you do that then. You're still presenting something. It's like the individual goes to the restaurant, uh, bless God, I'm not gonna be intimidated by everyone, so they pray extra loud so the whole restaurant can hear. <laughs> That there's a Christian in the house praying for their food or they go off hikamoshundai and, you know... <laughs> It's like, no, don't just be, humility is being real. It's glorifying God. It's not putting on a front. It's not doing it for someone else's benefit. It, it, it is just being the real, genuine article. Amen? But so many times we alter what we do in church, what we do at home, what we do at the workplace. We're altering it. Why? It's really for the purpose of pride. It's self-preservation. It's self-exaltation. It's what do others think about me? How are they viewing the way that I am living? Everybody okay? Yeah. Amen. How would you think, what do you think about someone, uh, the kind of person who would, who would murder, <laughs> who would lie, who would uh, sow discord, Come, you know, like come into church and try to divide and split. Uh, what, and someone who would, uh, you know, pursue evil, that was just their heart. What would you think about an individual like that? I think most of us generally would say, uh, yeah, that's not a very good person, murderers and stuff, you know. 
They're not quality people. <laughs> but you know, did you know that in the scripture, when we have a list that contains those elements, it's in Proverbs 6, and it lists seven things that God hates. It's really strong language. Not he's kind of like, eh, I'm not really favorable, you know. No, I hate that. Lists all these behaviors, some of which I mentioned. Do you know the first thing in the list? It's called a proud look. When the Lord was thinking about things I despise the most, I really hate to see this more than anything. He didn't even put murder at the, as the number one thing on the list. He put a proud look. He said, I hate that. Read about it. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Yeah, the proud look. So I asked the question then, if, if the Lord hates the proud look, how ought I to feel about this? If I want to be like him and give him glory, if he hates that, I should hate that. Yeah? Because of that, that commitment to despise what's wrong and despise this attitude and pursue and seek after humility, what it does, it does for me, I think I want this to be true about all of us, we start analyzing our own selves. I'm not, I know some would say, yeah, you're just becoming sin conscious. Well, I want to be God's character conscious. I want to be humility conscious. And if I am violating that with how I conduct myself, seeking my own a glory and approval and, and living for the opinion of others, I want to know that I'm doing that so I can eliminate it. Because God hates it, I want to hate it too. And I want to hate it, period, as a principle. But if it gets in me, I want to hate that. Because if I hate that, I'll stop behaving that way. And I've caught myself. I don't know if you ever have. Walking away from conversations, going away from meals, and, you know, replaying some of the events and, 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 and going back and saying, you know, I, I, why, was it, why did I tell them, everyone, that story about me? Why, did I, why was I telling everyone what I accomplished, what I did over here? And I, sometimes it's fine. My heart's good. And other times it's like, I was trying to impress them. I started trying to impress them with something I did, something who I was. So what do you do then? I repent. Amen. Not always do people catch it, so you don't always need to go back and call everyone together. <laughs> but before the Lord, say, Lord, I'm just focused on myself instead of giving you credit, giving you glory. I'm wanting to take the credit for myself. I want people to be impressed with me, and, and I repent of that. If you do that enough, you'll start catching yourself, and you just won't go there. And when you do talk and share, you'll, you'll do it from a good heart, yeah. right? And if we will do that, what, what are we doing? We're setting ourselves up for promotion, yep. setting, setting ourselves up to go higher. And it's the Lord's will that we do. And I believe this, let me say this again. I may have told you this last week. I was directly stirred about this subject like I am most of the time, but to, 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 to teach this. And so I'm connecting the dots immediately. I'm saying, the Lord wants to promote you. He wants to exalt you. He has better things for your life. Individuals and us as a whole. He wants to use us more. He wants his glory to be manifest in greater ways. But if we're taking the credit, if we're dealing with a proud heart, then we're a hindrance. We're blocking his greater glory and greater blessings. So he teaches us so we can start identifying. and Blow it out. 
Get that out of us. Let it be all for the glory of God. Not just a show, but truly from our heart. We want him to be glorified above all else. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I believe the Lord will speak to us as individuals. He'll talk to us. Uh, if you want to go higher, like I said, uh, let, let God do it. Don't do it, for, don't do it for yourself. Let him exalt you in due time. When is due time? When is it time for the Lord to exalt us? It's definitely not before we humble ourselves. So due time is, I've been waiting for due time for a lot of years for my promotion. Well, I'm not gonna claim to know everything about God's timeline, but if it's been a long, long time and there's been no exaltation, promotion, and increase, I'm gonna say you might wanna check the level of humility in your life because maybe just a couple tweaks, a couple adjustments, and all of a sudden the grace of God is outpoured in your life and you can do things like never before. Amen, amen. When is due time? Sometime after you get humble. <laughs> Sometime after we get humble. Amen? Amen? I know nowadays, some, some, some of us just need a correction of language. We need to adjust the way we think and the way we speak. You know, it's like the person who said, well, I may not have much, but at least I have my pride. <laughs> well, <laughs> my friend, you might want to get rid of that too. In fact, consider your not having much might be connected to you having your pride. <laughs> it may be that the Lord is trying to get much to you, but you're embracing yourself, your ways, instead of submitting to the Lord's. Hallelujah. Some of it's just a verbiage thing, and some of it's a heart thing. You know, we've been trained in our, in our world to speak a certain way. And if anyone becomes a Christian, becomes a believer, you have to relearn how to speak, don't you? On some level, sometimes we talk about, you know, uh, Christians have a problem speaking Christianese, and then they can't relate to the, their people, the friends in the world, right? And you come to church, and no one understands what we're talking about, because we speak Christianese, right? Uh, you know, like the, the one person who... They came to the Lord, they, get, they got saved, and, and, and someone told them immediately, now the next thing you need to do is find a good body. <laughs> so, what, so they went to the gym. <laughs> Found a great body, got married. <laughs> Not realizing that the person intended to say body of Christ or a church. So yeah, there's some Christianese we need to kind of get out of our language, but there's also some language we have to learn. Learn the language of heaven. Learn to speak God words. There are some Bibleese, if you will, that you should know. We should know what it means to be the redeemed of the Lord. We should know what it really means to be humble and not proud. Not the world's defining of that. You know, when I see the the politicians stand up and say, and I am proud of my record. Bah. <laughs> Stop proclaiming your own success. Say, how can you even be in that world without doing that? I bet there's a way. 
I bet there's a way to do what, what you're gifted to do and not be proud about it. Literally say, well, what should they be? How about thankful? How about pleased? Sometimes it's just a verbiage change, but a lot of times it's really a heart change. But I don't want to speak the language of the world. I want to speak the language of heaven. Amen. Amen. So the Lord's taking us up, isn't he? I believe this is true. He's taking us higher. He has great, a great future for us. And we're learning to cooperate with him instead of hinder his promoting power in our lives. Amen? Let's pray today. Father, thank you again, again, and again. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor for you are at work in our midst. We give you the credit that you deserve. We don't want to take it for ourselves. The glory that is due your name. We don't want to take it for ourselves. Help us, I pray, Father, to grow up in these, in these matters, to be mature and be able to walk in genuine humility of heart, giving you praise, not overly concerned about the opinions of people, but mindful of your presence, of your calling, and of your grace in our lives. We thank you for it, that every good thing comes from you, Every good and perfect gift from the Father of lights who never changes. We're thankful for it today, and we're looking to you to guide us, to guide us along this path, to guide us along this, this path of promotion and increase and instruct us as we go. We set aside our own pride and our own uh, our own elevated self-worth and we yield ourselves to you the God of all increase the God of favor we thank you for working in us today in Jesus precious name we thank you for it now